Welcome to Wine and Murder Night, podcast where two friends discuss and drink to their favorite cozy mysteries. I'm Carolyn Wilkie. And I'm Sabrina Marshalsen. And Sabrina just got back from her big international trip. That's why you haven't heard from us for a while. So how was Sweden? Sweden is amazing, as always. And this time, I I spoke more Swedish. And I, I knew more Swedish, so I spoke more Swedish. So I got a lot done. Um, I <laughs> I only went to defend my master's thesis and then spent some time in Sweden. Um, uh, it's an awesome place. I went to Stockholm for the very first time. Uh, it was pretty fun. Um, it is huge. It's much larger than my university town, obviously. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> little overwhelming, but fun. Um, the New York Times does this thing called 36 Hours in XYZ City. And seeing as I've never been to Stockholm and I had no fucking clue what I was doing, I was like, 36 Hours in Stockholm. And I did a lot of what they they mentioned. I didn't do the eating because New York Times readers... budget. Yeah, New York Times readers are upper class and I am part of the proletariat. So... Um, <laughs> But I had really good, and my uh, thesis supervisor happens to live in Stockholm, so on my last day there, we went out and had dinner, and he's he's a gem. Um, he's from Brooklyn, so he has this Woody Allen voice, but <laughs> he is the exact opposite of Woody Allen, minus the fact that he's like this like white Jewish man. And uh, with the glasses and the dark hair. Like, he looks like Woody Allen, even. If Woody Allen was, like, 40 years younger or something. But um, he's he's so funny and so erudite and so, like, knowledgeable about, like, everything. And I love, like, talking to him. I like being around him. He's he's such a blessing. I'm so glad to have had him for my thesis supervisor. Um, but well, he's, how did it? Go your thesis defense. So here's the thing. My thesis supervisor, just like I think the sun shines out of his ass, he feels the same about me. So <laughs> my, my writing is flawless. My, you know, my argument is sound. Um, you know, I had very little criticism mm-hmm. um, from both him and the head of the fucking department, like, who was the other judge um, in in Sweden, when you write your master's thesis, you have a three-panel judge. One of them is a classmate. Oh, and that's then, different, I And think. then there's two thesis supervisors. Um, mine and... Okay, so her thesis supervisor was rubbish. And so the head of the department was in for both of us instead of mm-hmm. her thesis supervisor, who was worthless. Utterly worthless. Mm-hmm. Oh. And... She wrote about something that I had had no idea about. It was uh, gastronomy in the Holy Land, in Israel, Palestine. And it was fascinating. She needed more scholarly sources and things like that. We talked about that. But uh, she was like, not only did I know nothing about critical discourse analysis, which is what my thesis paper was about, I did really poorly in that module <laughs> when we took that out. Because <laughs> that was one of our classes was critical discourse analysis. And that was actually one of the classes that I got my lowest grade in. And still decided to write my thesis about. So, there you go. If you wanted to know anything about Sabrina's personality. 
Yes. <laughs> so, um, I I did very well. I'm I, uh, my thesis supervisor had always loved my writing, and so my thesis just was a culmination of all my amazing writing throughout the two years. <laughs> so, uh-huh. I'm I am exceptionally good at nonfiction writing. My fiction writing is questionable. Except for, <laughs> except for my fanfic. I've always been a pretty steady, well-written fanfic author. But, like, I much find better. nonfiction a lot easier than fiction as well. Like, writing journalism and marketing copy. Well, marketing copy can be difficult sometimes. Just Marketing like- copy is propaganda, which is difficult. So... <laughs> I mean, not even that, necessarily. Like, just trying to describe the same thing over and over, but not to use the same words every single time. Like, even if you're, ta- like, doing factual statements about a product. Like, yeah. Uh, but, yes. Well, cheers to you! Thank you. Chin chin. I have to do the, uh, I have to do marginal rewrites. Awesome. Margin. And I mean, like, the, my, the head of the department said, uh, you... Uh, you had a, I obviously had a bias and I obviously had an argument, but he goes, you were a little, um, overzealous in some of your passages. <laughs> <laughs> so just bring it That's back. the American rubbing off on you. <laughs> I suppose so. I said something was blatant hypocrisy. <laughs> Which and he was it, like, mm. yeah, not that much, not that much. So there we go. Well... What are you drinking then on this celebratory podcast recording? Well, not having bubbly, um, which I should do, but uh, no, I'm having an Australian wine. Uh, it is the Twisted Brush Chardonnay, part of Lidl's Everyday Collection. It is fucking leggy. <laughs> um, it is a Chardonnay. It's a 2018 Chardonnay from Australia. Yay! So fucking finally. Is that, I think that's our first Australian wine for Miss Fisher. Yes, except it was bottled in Germany. Well, <laughs> you can't have everything. Um, this this wine is four dollars and eighty nine cents. And no wonder it's fucking leggy. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, twelve and a half percent by volume, so you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. It's just very top song right there. I uh, know, yeah. Um, <laughs> it is a Chardonnay. I'm drinking a Radley and Finch uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. It's labeled the Flying French Cabernet Sauvignon. <laughs> uh, it was, I think, twelve ninety nine. I don't remember exactly. I stared at everything for a really long time because. I'm on doctor's orders and I'm not technically supposed to be drinking alcohol. So I'm going to have like a glass <laughs> and I wanted to get a Cab Sav or a Merlot because I'm going to end up making a reduction for a red wine ganache. Later. Oh, nice. So I needed it to be flavorful. Wait, are you pregnant? Not pregnant. <laughs> okay. I have not had sex in a very long time. <laughs> Definitely not pregnant. It was so funny. I went to the doctor and of course she asked, she was like, do you want to get a urine test for pregnancy? Because that can cause some of the symptoms you're experiencing. And I was like, 
there's no way I am pregnant. She's like, well, I've ha- I'm like, I've had my period several times. And she's like, well, people can spot on their pregnancy. And I was like, no, I did not spot. <laughs> no, no. Um, Definitely, it, it, it was not spotting. <laughs> it would be the fucking virgin birth. <laughs> Basically, like, I'm down with being, like, you know, I want kids. So, like, God hit me up. But, like. <laughs> <laughs> I would. Yeah, that would be a that would be a no from me. <laughs> I'm going to adopt a small orphan child at six months old when I'm forty five. Well, <laughs> do we uh, want to get right into it? Oh, I guess I'm adopting a Jane. Just much <laughs> yes, <younger>. yes. <laughs> Can be the Miss Fisher you were always meant to be. Ah, yes. <laughs> well, today. It's basically the most Sabrina episode ever. We're reviewing Miss Fisher, Season 1, Episode 4, Death at the Victoria Dock. We get right into it with a woman in just kind of a plain white nightgown, clearly upset. She's got a rosary clutched in her hands, and she gets thrust into a room and starts immediately praying to Holy Mary, uh, Holy Mother. Pray for us it is now in the hour of our death. I am not Catholic. I'm mm-hmm. Lutheran, Protestant, basic, Muslim, Lutheran. It's complicated. It doesn't matter. I I have a very complicated but friendly relationship with religion. Um, but my family is from southern Germany, which is 100% Catholic. And mm-hmm. we even have a bishop in the family. So uh, we had a bishop. You know, he'll be dead by now. Uh, <laughs> And uh, I grew up around Catholicism and around rosaries and around things like that. And one of my comforts was actually watching the nuns on Channel 6 doing the rosaries and, you know, doing their rosaries. And it was like this chant that they did. And my mother thought it was, it sounded creepy. It did. (laughs) Because it was this chorus of monotone, like, female voices um, doing the rosary. But... Um, I loved it. And I mean, I think, I think there is, I mean, Catholicism has such a, like a ton of ritual around mm-hmm. it. Like, I mean, obviously there's a lot of it because I think partially these rituals grew up because people were converting from paganism to Catholicism. Yes. And so, I mean, I don't have like the notes to back me up on it, but it's basically like there, there was a lot of like, well, we're going to incorporate what you oh, no. do into our services. You're and totally all of right. That. If you look at the services, like even, even the Protestant, the Nordic Protestant services, it's so pagan. It's just like, uh, well, the Vikings just kind of accidentally converted they they didn't even have they didn't convert they were just like no 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 no. everything in the bible is everything you've been talking about just with different names so it wasn't even they weren't even trying they were just like yeah no so like nordic christianity is still so close to its pagan roots especially in iceland um Mm -hmm. so it's very for me it's very comforting like wild Pergus night and midsummer and all of these fests vaguely religious completely pagan ceremonies completely that they completely pagan that they do um willingly and happily as part <laughs> of their culture so it's one of those things that i felt very comforted in in sweden especially but also mm-hmm. in iceland 
Yeah. Well, we go straight from this scene to title. Like, I mean, 30 seconds or something, like a very quick cold open. And from there, we go straight to a pan down on the Victoria dock. And it's gate G4. And we see Miss Fisher pulling up in her white fur stole and white suit in her beautiful car and there's a bunch of striking workers though i will say i wasn't in the like like it that didn't click for me right away like until she started talking to the man she was there to see mr waddington i didn't quite click that that was a strike because i'm so used to pictures of strikers with signs oh yeah and these just looked like like a mob <laughs> strikes in the 1920s were about but it's you know I'd like our um, I'd like our overseer classes to be reminded that strikes were not only violent they were the middle ground between storming into your house and killing your family in front of you so you know a slightly violent strike where people throw bricks you should be happy about. And it's not like there wasn't violence from the other side as well. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Most of these men, a lot of men, would end up dead oh, yeah. in those strikes. Um, but she's there specifically to see the owner of, I guess, this big shipping company. The whole re- the relationship isn't clear of what he does and why people are striking against him. Well, like, it I mean, sounds cl- like, like he would own not only, like, the docks, but the shipping company. So his was probably like Waddington LLC and he did all of it. Yeah, probably. This is where we first get uh, a good glimpse. And you guys not say the first time, but we get some extremely sympathetic words from Miss Fisher about, you know, not wanting to breach a picket line. Oh, you should have told me that I was going to be breaching a picket line. I was like, Friday Fisher. You do not, you fucking scab. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> she let well. <laughs> she let her she let her her feelings be known. Mm-hmm. And the reason she's there is on uh, request of her aunt, who is a friend of the Waddingtons. And it turns out that Waddington's daughter is missing. So at the very least, Franny isn't scabbing in one sense. Yeah, she's the guy. <laughs> She's not trying to. She's not trying to break up the strike. Waddington hasn't hired her to break up the strike. He'll just call the police later. Yeah, pretty much. Turns out that Waddington's daughter ran off after an argument with his new wife. But while they're discussing the details of this case, they hear a shot, and Miss Fisher, being Miss Fisher, rushes outside, and she sees a man with a gun who fires a shot at her and. He misses and dings her car. And then she jumps up again and sees his face. We got to see his face. Yes. Right away. And he jumps into a car and gets away. And she rushes over and she sees a young man on the ground. And he's bleeding out. And he has a A tattoo on his chest. And he says, Nina. And he gives Miss Fisher a ring box, and he dies. Or he goes, tell her, tell her, 
and then dies. Yes. <laughs> Very sad. Very sad. This, I thought, was a really interesting scene, this, like, kind of cleanup scene, because Essie Davis does a great job of, like, she's very, very clearly disturbed when Collins is asking her if she's okay, and she's obviously, you know, upper class playing it off, but she doesn't really, I don't know, it was one of those things where she's just, you can see it in her face, <clears throat> or you can see it in her eyes, but the rest of her looks fine. I think it was really well acted. Yeah. So Collins takes her home, and who should be waiting for her at her house but Aunt Prudence herself? It turns out that Jane is being suspended from school. Yes. This is possibly my favorite quote of the episode is, she is being suspended for being flippant, conniving, and uncouth. As one does. As one does. <laughs> if only I could write students up for that. <laughs> I was going to say. Like, <laughs> I'm sure I could. I'm sure there would be some, like, way to say that. Well, okay, so I did actually want to ask you about this. It comes out later. The reason Jane got suspended is because some students were picking on a friend of hers. They took her glasses, I think, or and her shoes. And her shoes. So she had to go home blind and barefoot. And so Jane punched them. Yes. Now... I I mean, obviously, in general, parents and teachers alike frown upon violence. And most schools have a, like, no fighting, you, uh, automatic suspension thing, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. But, like, also, there's certainly, I think, I have major issues with school policies where it's like, you can't fight back if somebody fights you. <laughs> But I don't think that would apply in this case. If you fight back. My school had a policy of, you know, the person who fought back gets a lesser punishment. Still a punishment. Because mm -hmm. fighting at school is wrong. Right. But um, sometimes if there is, like, no aggression on the other person's part. I mean, one of my students nearly killed a guy. Oh, jeez. Like, the assault was so bad. And the guy tried to fight back, but lost yeah massively so he did not get any punishment like there's a there's a point that even if you like if you try to fight back and you're so overwhelmed by your uh the the opponent mm -hmm. um you know a lot of schools do take into consideration but i do agree that you should probably not be fighting in school I mean, I think, and this was one instance where i was yeah. just like this one this right is here. clear retaliation there's no yeah. point for this. Possibly she got in trouble because she was fighting for this girl who did not fight herself. Mm -hmm. You know, so but, you know, but, she's standing up to a bully so I wouldn't. Had I been headmaster, she would not have gotten in trouble. Mm -hmm. I don't think she would have gotten suspended. No. Were I wouldn't I have suspended her. I would have probably given her detention. Yeah. That feels fair. Um, Miss Fisher doesn't give two shits. <laughs> <laughs> about Aunt Prudence. And she goes and takes a nice hot bath, and we get our first World War One flashback of the series. Mm. So, um, there's not a lot written about war nurses who had who were on the battlefield with the soldiers and had no 
real weaponry, had no real cover, didn't wear helmets or anything. Like, so we don't get a lot about it because they're women. So, of course, Mm -hmm. they were just doing what women do, nurturing and taking care and things like that. And giving vital medical care to, you know, the wounded. But whatever. So we don't actually know a lot about there were women at D-Day. There were mm-hmm. female there were female nurses at D-Day. We don't know a lot about them. We know there were about forty of them. Ah. Uh, so one of the big things is once again, we know they were there. We can't imagine what the horrors were that they faced and what kind of what the aftermath of witnessing all that would have been for these women who then had to go home and be a happy housemaker. Yeah. And that's kind of what, what Miss Fisher is going through right now Yeah, is, I mean, she's no clearly happy homemaker, but like she's trying to move on her own way. Mm -hmm. And the flashback we get is basically her trying to like hold a person's guts. (laughs) And she's just like covered in blood from like, you know, up to her elbows, and this whole scene reminded her so much of that. The next morning, uh, Dot delivers the mail and um, mentions that Collins is coming over to take her statement and that Wads- Waddington, not Wadsworth, Waddington had called twice. And uh, Miss Fisher also realizes or asks Jane if she knows Lila Waddington. Who, she's like, yeah, I go to school with her, but I don't really know her. Yeah. But not only is it uh, Collins that shows up, but everyone's favorite detective inspector, Jack Robinson. Well, Eh. he's still not my favorite. (laughs) It really does take me until the third series to like him. Like, it takes me forever. And I don't know what it is. I was just like, I'm not into you. I'm not into you. You're you're okay looking. I didn't think he was particularly. I was a Collins girl, so I, I still am. Um, so I'm like, <laughs> you're not handsome. You're kind of a shit. <laughs> I, you know, I I've said it before. I don't think he is traditionally handsome, but just in this role, yeah. Uh, like I said, uh, it it just took him a while to grow on me. Yeah. And I think it's when he started loosening up. Yes. And I think that's intentional too, right? Like the whole interplay between Miss Fisher and Jack is that she's this wild, free spirit. And he's this button up by the book, you know, professor, inspector. And, you know, that's kind of why it's cute. At least at first, until you start getting more details and more details and more details. Because again, I think this is, well, I don't think it's the first time that we've known that Miss Fisher was, like, directly involved in the war. But it's certainly the first time we're shown yeah. she, how involved she was. Yeah, she mentioned it in passing. Right. So for us as viewers, we're still getting to know the depths of these characters. So. Yeah. Right now, we're just playing on trope, which I love, and you could leave. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, you're supposed to like Franny from the get-go, and I do. Not an issue. Mm-hmm. I like all the women characters from the get-go. They're all fucking tropey as fuck, but mm-hmm. I love them all, so it's okay. 
guys, it always takes me a while to like them because you could take and leave a man. Pretty much. Well, we get to learn a couple of things um, from this little interview because Collins is still learning how to keep a secret. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we learn that the dead man is Latvian and that the A is for an anarchy tattoo, though most people probably picked that one up. Oh, yeah. I am an antichrist. I am an anarchist. So that original one, we are used to the A that goes slightly out of the circle and is all jagged because we shopped it. Hot topic. But, mm-hmm. you know, this is the anarchy symbol as it was. That's the original anarchy symbol. And when someone has that one or uses that one, I take them a little bit more seriously because anarchists aren't, they're anti-government, but they're not anti older they're not anti like having some kind of standard of living and of working in a society anarchists um just believe that government is the slowest and least efficient way to get justice and to get things get shit done so a socialist would look should look at an anarchist as the the last step in true socialism in that you now no longer have a government it is purely the workers who are democratically deciding how to work and what their labor goes to and who labors and in what function and um how you know society and trade and you know feeding people works so anarchy believes that all that power belongs to the worker and belongs to the people period and mm-hmm. and government bureaucracy and government um a republic is a very poor way of handling basic human existence especially in the industrial era anyway so that's anarchy i'm not an anarchist i am squarely a socialist but um i understand anarchism well i thought it was interesting specifically in that um miss fisher was talking about latvians as anarchists and Mm -hmm. i didn't do any research on this even though i meant to because i've just been all over the place oh well the latvians are all the father of anarchism the the one of the leading philosophers of anarchism is latvian and it's literally because um the baltic all the baltic states Mm -hmm. that would be latvia lithuania and estonia are fiercely independent and um would have to be because, you know, like they said, Germans, the Russians, just fucking everybody wants to be in the Baltics because of their access to oil and the North Sea. So um, they've always been fiercely independent. And anarchism, actually, I would say, was birthed there in the Baltic states. From yeah, where? so I thought that was a really interesting little historical tidbit. Yeah, and it's um, true. It happens to be true. Well, I mean, honestly, this show's pretty good at dropping true things, even if they don't necessarily use them in the most subtle fashion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the whole, like, last episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, after this little interview, um, Collins and Jack go back to the dock um, to see what they can find, and... 
What they find is the missing shoe of the dead man with red paint on it. And lo and behold, they find a can of red paint in several crates. Um, A Riga-based company uh, that does paint and solvent. And so they open up one of the crates, and what do they find? But bullets for a high-powered browning. For a browning machine gun. Machine gun. We also get to see Jack have kind of a similar distraught in the eyes moment when he picks up those bullets, but we don't get a flashback for him. Yeah. I mean, he would obviously instantly recognize him. I mean, Australians, they still belong to Britain at this point, so of course they would have fought. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, the anarchist political philosopher was actually Lithuanian. I apologize. But... A woman. Her name was Emma oh. Goldman. Um, so, uh, sorry about that. Lithuania, not Latvian, but the Baltics. But yeah, definitely the seat of anarchy. Yes. Um, well, sorry, I got my, my scenes mixed up a little bit, but they also, Collins also drops this Browning machine gun info, and uh, Miss Fisher speculates that the Latvians are there to help with the strike and provide a little muscle. Yes, because those fucking Russians. Well, I don't think the Russians were involved. Well, it's the Russian Empire. They, they, this was post-revolution, so they'd still be part of the Russian Empire, sort of. Yeah. Well, Miss Fisher doesn't have any more time to help with Jack's investigation, though she does tell... Collins to go get some biscuits from Dot in the kitchen and kind of follows him in, handing off the ring box to him and gives him the lead of that to follow in return for information. But she doesn't have time to follow that up herself because she has to go track down this missing Waddington girl. So she heads over to the Waddington houses, Waddington house where, um, she meets up with Mrs. Waddington. She gets to inspect Leela's room, which is covered in religious iconography. And uh, notices that there is a missing painting on the wall. And um, it's of the Virgin Mary. Yes. We also see that the new wife is pregnant. And she mentions that the reason that Leela, Lila went ran off was that um, she was accusing her father of being unchristian towards his employees, and the new wife was defending him like a capitalist pig dog. (laughs) In recognizing a communist, physical appearance counts for nothing. Look, white women support white supremacy because (laughs) they uh, gain benefit from it. No offense. Yeah, none taken. I know how it works. (laughs) Um... So, there you go. So, of course she's going to support her husband because that's where she gets all the money. Yep. And all the support. Yep. And Miss Fisher tries to get some info out of Paul, tries to figure out where she might have gone, and the only thing he can potentially think of is that she wanted to become a nun, so he suggests going to visit the Sisters of Mercy. I still want to be a nun, but I'm not (laughs) Catholic, so I want to be like an atheist like warrior anti-fascist nun and i'm like (laughs) i think like saint bridget 
who's a Swedish nun is like the closest for me because she goes out and like her her sisters go out and work in war zones. So I'm like, I guess, I guess. Well, if anyone could do it, Sabrina, you could do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Miss Fisher and Dot go to the convent. And this is the possibly my favorite scene right before the the Reverend Mother comes in where Dot goes, knees, miss. And then she literally like smacks her on the knee. I know, right? <laughs> it was such a good little character moment because you know she's doing what her mom did to her for yes. years. Yes. Like there that is a character choice that yes. uh it's so perfect for Dot. And just like that one reflexive moment that she would never do to Ms. Fisher in any other scenario ever. It was great. There's some good character moments in this guy. Yes. Um, but we learned from the Reverend Mother that uh, Lila had come to ask to join the order um, after she was super upset. And um, the Reverend Mother turned her away because she wanted to, she counseled her to wait until she had the permission of her parents and had finished school and approached it with a clear mind. But as they leave, Miss Fisher is sure that she's hiding something. Of course. Back on the real crime, Collins has tracked down the jeweler. Um, he gets a well done from Jack and uh, learns... That Nina's last name is Nina Aliena. Yes. And that's about all we learned there. Yep. This is another real PC episode. Yeah. A little hard to hard to recap on those. No, no, just a bit. Um, but Jane does ask around about Leela as well, and she learns that all the girls think she's weird, and that they think her brother's really attractive. They call him the Sheik. Yeah. Yes. Did you guys, did your high school friends give nicknames to boys that you found attractive? No. Like code names? Because we were so small, it would be ridiculous. Like, everyone would instantly know. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, um, I graduated in a class of 91. So, oh. we just used first names. <laughs> we... We did do the code name thing for sure. I mean, yeah. it was just us giggling, right, and writing notes to each other. But like, no one would have cared. Yeah, we regardless. used we used uh, initials, and that was about it. <laughs> like, okay. It was. It's difficult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Miss Fisher takes it upon herself to track down this Nina Aliana. And to do that, she needs to go where the commies go. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Yeah, because, you know, every semi-large city has a commie bar. <laughs> you know, that's just what we and actually at the time specifically where the latvians hang out yeah well that would be like you would have a like a little russia or a little china or a little so so, yeah you would have a place so i'm not i'm not saying that but this reminded me of 
supernatural in the early seasons when they had this bar that was specifically for monster hunters and stuff like that supernatural like hunters and things and i was like the hunter bar and i was like fuck <laughs> and eric kripke bless him was like i was so glad when we firebombed that place like, it ends up catching fire um, in a later end. And I was like, yeah, you know, I agree with you. <laughs> like, and I was like, yeah, everybody knows the commie bar, you know, where the drinks are like all 50 cents and they're all vodka. But they're all straight vodka. Yeah. They're all vodka. So good luck. <laughs> uh, well, Bert and Seth certainly know the commie bar. Sometimes you wanna go where everybody knows your name. And so they take Miss Fisher. I know, and Miss Fisher does this shawl and this hat. (laughs) Well, what's weird is that she's she's got Russian embroidery on. Sure, she looks like she comes from Mother Russia. Whatever. Well, we do learn in this episode that she does speak fluent Russian. Which means she was probably on the Russian front. Yeah. Ooh, good inference. Good inference. Yeah. My grandfather was on the Russian front and nearly died. <laughs> so, the Russian front is terrible. That's probably where you would see the worst of the worst. Like, A, because the Russians don't care and they will fuck their own shit up and so you don't get their shit. And mm-hmm. it was just some of the worst trench warfare and World War One was right there. And, you know, <laughs> like I said, the Russians will school show off their own fucking shit, so you don't get it. Oh, um, yeah. They are, a, they are a very interesting people. If they weren't so damn racist, I'd like them way more. But Oh, um, yeah. I mean, there's definitely... There's a lot of culture there. Oh yeah, it's a it's an ancient culture, you know, so it's it's very interesting. But um They've internalized suffering in a way that not many peoples have. I feel like I understand that as a German. <laughs> like we've internalized a lot of just I mean, we've caused a lot of suffering, so we also I feel have... like though I feel like there's a difference between internalized suffering and repression. Right. I feel like if I'm talking about stereotypes, which is I have to at this point, because yeah. I don't, you know, I feel like there's a lot more like of a repression in Germany yeah, and German culture. And in Russian culture, it's more of like straight up. We believe that this is true. We will just suffer. This is yeah. therefore also, we are living through our suffering. We probably the Germans are like, not only are we suffering, we deserve this suffering. The Russians like we have done nothing wrong. We are a perfect we are perfect ethnicity. We are a perfect society. It is it is they who hate us, but we will we will suffer on. That's how I feel right. when I when I think about Russia. I'm like they don't think they deserve it, but they will be martyrs because it looks good for mm-hmm. you know heaven. And the Germans are like, oh no, oh no, we deserve this. We deserve <laughs> this. <laughs> Bring it on. I know. Well, at the Kami Bar. Bert catches a glimpse of a man they call Peter the Painter. Oh, who is my, um, I'm not fucking sure where he's from, but his accent was atrocious, so probably <laughs> not Russia. But that's, I, he's Australian, I think. So, uh, he comes from the land down under, where women roll in men thunder. Let's he's see. a five Australian he is a, actor? He is a five Australian actor. This 
40s in that show so i i found him quite attractive i did as well <laughs> but his his accent was atrocious oh um, it's very his bad. name is jack finister finis finsterer finsterer um and i recognize him from neighbors <laughs> yeah the only person i thought i recognized was mrs waddington who by the way does not have a first name yeah, in this she's show, just, she's, she's just credited as Mrs. Waddington. But nope, she was just some random white lady who <laughs> that happens. Also, was in Neighbors. <laughs> yeah, that's probably like you, you get so many actors out of Neighbors that it's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, he's also like, let's see if maybe I've seen other things that he's been in. Nope, nope. I only I recognize him from Neighbors. Um, I only saw the very early seasons of Neighbors. Um. So I don't, I don't know, and because Chris Hemsworth, I feel like was in a series of them, I felt like I had to watch them and then got involved. <laughs> Story of your life. Yeah, unfortunately, this is what happens. If I fall in love with you, I watch everything you're in and then suffer, suffer immensely. <laughs> Very Russian because of you. Very Russian. Of some you. people are in some shit. Like, I'm, like, you know, you fall in love with a Danish actor, and Danish actors, there's only, there are literally only five of them, so you watch everything, and Danish cinema is, um, it's a thing. There's a lot of nudity, all the time, for no discernible reason, and they all speak Danish, which is the hell language. Oh, like, uh... oh, I have the funniest story. Mm-hmm. When I was flying to Sweden, I was sitting next to this girl from Tennessee. She was really sweet. Hey, Sydney. Um, so I was talking to Sydney, and I was I was talking about like all the Nordic languages and how they're all kind of related. And I said, I hate Danish. I speak it, and it's it, and I, I describe it kind of in kind of insulting terms and then I got up at the end of the flight to get my bag down from you know the overhead and the people behind us were Danish <laughs> whoopsie <laughs> and I was like I'm not taking it back your language is a joke <laughs> I didn't say that to them but when when I sat down I was like oh the people behind us are Danish and she stopped laughing and I'm like whoops well like, you deserved it well, fuck it. Very Danish German is an awful language. I don't fucking care. Anyway. <laughs> well, Miss Fisher uh, catches the eye of Peter the painter. And rather than beat her up, like, try any sort of subterfuge at all, she basically just comes out with it. She's like, I'm looking for Nina Lena because somebody from her comrade group killed her fiancé. To yes. be. Like, why the fuck would you say that? I know, just, that's not a very good spy, that's not good spycraft, Friday Fisher. Not good spycraft. <laughs> <laughs> Friday Fisher, pretty decent nurse, terrible spy. Oh yeah. Oh, she'd be a fucking awful spy. Like, James Bond is the worst spy in the history of the world, and Friday Fisher is right the fuck up there. <laughs> Just triple O, like just no score. Yeah. 
Well, to heighten the tension even more, Peter's like, these are very dangerous questions. And behind them, a man comes up the stairs and it's the shooter. And we know it's the shooter because we saw his face earlier. Yep. And Miss Fisher is like, oh, crap. Uh, Easiest murder mystery ever. Basically. He did, <laughs> did it. You, did you Did you get it? Yes. <laughs> yes, did you I figured did. it out. <laughs> um, so I guess to cause a distraction for this woman he just met five minutes ago, Peter starts a brawl with the shooter. And you can kind of tell that he recognizes Miss Fisher a little bit. Um, but she escapes unscathed. But we get some very spooky camera work. And as she goes to unlock the door of her house, she spins around and whips out her gun. But it's just Peter. It's Peter Smith. Or, as the credits call him, Peter the Painter. Yeah. I know. It's the most... What is that word I'm looking for? Such a... Such an intimidating nickname. But at her house, Peter spills the beans. Yorka, the dead man, had tried to destroy the ammo because he didn't believe in the cause anymore, which was basically inciting violence and going to bring old grudges to the new world. And So, like, this is the anarchism that everyone thinks. And I'm like, no, okay, fine. 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 And I will say, like, I think this happens in pretty much every cause where mostly men lead the charge, which is they tend towards oh, yeah. violence as the answer. Like, the revolution is going to be violent. Like, Karl Marx said it, like, I mean, it was. The October Revolution was a very violent revolution for the Russians in 1917 that brought about that, you know, the Soviet communism. Mm-hmm. Which was bullshit, by the way, but okay. It wasn't really communism. You and I and everybody on this podcast should know this by now. Yes. But that's you know, what it's it termed by history at this point. Yeah. Yeah, but so it's what like, brought about the USSR and the collection of dictators the USSR had. <laughs> yeah, so um, so it's one of those it's one of those moments where yes, the revolution we are it is you know it is possible for it to be to for it to go quietly for it to sink from universal basic income and um uh, you know autonomous you know where we're where, like it is. It is possible to shrink the capitalist state into something that you can drown in a bathtub. However, unfortunately, capitalists like money, and you're going to have to pry it from the cold, dead hands. And there was a really so I was watching this not cozy mystery show, but a mystery show, good BBC style one called Vera. Yes, I love and Vera. Really good. I'm kind of pissed about the way it's released on Acorn, but whatever. Um, whatever torrent it if you really want it I will I probably will but there was a really excellent quote from one of the episodes and it was uh, the character himself was kind of one of those hippie guys and he was like protesting the building of this mine or whatever but he the they were obviously investigating a murder it is a murder show mm-hmm. and he was like those who exert violence upon the land aren't afraid to use it for their own ends. Yeah. And and I mean, I was like, that's a really excellent 
summation of the way the capitalist state. Yeah, it's the way. So, look, I am very much a pacifist, but um, if I need to punch a white supremacist, I'm gonna punch a white supremacist. Um, not currently. I have to like not punch a white supremacist right now because I don't need to get arrested. But soon, soon I will be punching all the white supremacists. <laughs> and, Left, um, right, and center. They so, won't see it coming. So the the problem is, I want to go into government, but I also want to see the end of the government that we have currently. Uh there's only really one way. There are two ways to do it. A, is to model the type of government you want to see in the world. You can't do that here in America. People will kill you Mm -hmm. for that. I mean, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King Jr., even John fucking Kennedy. Mm -hmm. They will kill you for wanting Robert Kennedy as well. They will kill you for wanting that sort of place. So in America, you can't really do that. And you have to tread carefully in Europe. The Gilets Jaunes were trying it, but they were overtaken by the Front National, or whatever they're called now. They don't call themselves the Front National now, because that name is bad. Whatever they call themselves now. Um, you have to be really careful when you try it anywhere else. So it's so the second thing is just to take over the fucking government, but you have to be careful that you don't become authoritarian yourself. Luckily, I've never been interested in that kind of power because I'm lazy as fuck. <laughs> right? Like, Kim Jong-un has to do a lot and has to pretend to know about a lot. Putin, too. They all have to pretend to be geniuses while they're being authoritarian. Um, Trump doesn't have to, but that's because... I mean, he tries. He tries. He likes to... He definitely thinks of himself as a genius. That's And true. puts it out there that he is a genius, even though he is very clearly not a genius. What's weird is that Putin and Kim Jong-un are actually quite intelligent. Like, uh... Assad al-Bashir in Syria is a, is very smart, um, went to medical school. So, you know, these are very smart men. Uh, but that's why I, that's why I told my students, I was like, get rid of every man in every government and replace them by women. And every level of government, police, firefighters, um, every man in every state, national, international government and replace them literally all by women of color. Mm-hmm. And there will still be a government, but it will be much better. And, and the only far way to- less interested in violence. Yes. And but really the only way to do that, unfortunately, is through violence. Not that I want that at all. Yeah, we'll see how we'll see how this all plays out. I'm I- I'm curious. I'm I mean, curious the world is, too. The world is going to end in 2050. So, right at this point, I'm just living my life. No, no. <laughs> so to to get to the plot stuff, some <laughs> a little bit. Peter spills all the beans uh, at the neat corners. Nina cries over Yorka's body. Uh, Jack tries to question her, but she doesn't give her um, anything. Miss Fisher tries to question her. Um, we get our first outfit repeat of the series. <laughs> I know. Big things happening in this episode. 
Um, but Nina thinks Miss Fisher is full of shit. So <laughs> nothing happens. Well, to be fair, she is not a proletarian. I mean, she's wearing that hat. <laughs> Back at the docks, the officers were distracted somehow, and the Latvians get the ammo. And Peter comes back to Miss Fisher's so that she can seduce him, basically. Yeah, basically. Um, I was like, I don't know what this scene is for other than come to my bed. Basically. Um, hey, he's not a bad looking guy. I no, think. I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'd attempt to seduce him as well, but also it didn't serve much of a plot function. Yeah, I was uh, like, other than she's <laughs> going to care about him a little bit more if he, like, dies or something. Yeah, I think that's really all it was. Setting up the inevitable fridge. <laughs> but I like that the fridge is a guy. Fridge shadowing. <laughs> I like the fridge is a guy. So there. Uh, later, Miss Fisher, after a night of passion, Miss Fisher goes outside to meet out Jack outside and she's shot at. Um, he confronts her about the ring box in a very nice suit. This is definitely my favorite of Jack's suits so far. Oh, yeah, far. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a great suit. Oh, Love it. blue. Yeah. Mm, so good. It's all him. It's all him. It's all him. Uh, Jane presents Miss Fisher with Leela's, Lila's diary. Leela or Lila? I don't even know at this point. Lila, I think. Lila. I think. Yeah, Lila's diary, um, which contains a passage about incest. Ooh. Yeah, of course. Because, Came from the motherland. Well, uh, <laughs> it's calling back Midsummer Murders, <laughs> like the original incest show. They they had to do a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> Can't have a murder without incest. It's in the mm. cozy mystery rule book. Um, so they go back to the convent because they think that the Reverend Mother might know something about what Lila Lila has written in her diary. And she does reveal that she was hiding something. She was hiding a major donation of 500 pounds from Mr. Waddington in cash. So armed with this information, Miss Fisher goes back to the Waddington house and questions Mrs. Waddington about this, who denies that she knew anything about it and also mentions that Lila's mother killed herself went crazy, killed herself. Yep. And that Lila was having visions herself and thought she was going crazy. Yes, uh, uh, seeing visions of the virgin crying. Mm-hmm. Which is why Mrs. Waddington had the painting removed. Yes. But Paul, being a doting brother, kept the painting because he didn't want it thrown away. Mm-hmm. And he gives it to Miss Fisher, who does some uh, Miss Fisher CSI work on it, washes it down with face powder, and sees that it's been tampered with. Sees the tracks. Tear tracks. Yeah, this is actually how most crying statues are done. Crying statues and crying paintings are done. Um, Obviously, people... um, in order to show miracles, obviously, somebody, they either cry blood or they cry tears or the stigmata shows up. And um, so this was actually, this is how it was done. 
you paint you paint it on and it, it contract it it hits the humidity yeah and it looks like it's crying uh, oh yeah that's how it does so it it's clear and it dries clear you know on and then it hits humidity in the air and then it shows up again well they realize from a passage in uh lila's diary that she has probably checked herself into the mayday asylum yes which is a dot aha moment very good i always love when the uh when the sidekicks come up with the idea because of the local knowledge and all that. Mm-hmm. And Doc tries to go get the mail and is kidnapped. No! Clearly, they wanted Miss Fisher. Yes. But they locked Dot to the radiator and the bad guy, whose name I never catch. Never once. I just call him bad guy in my notes. Um, um oh, his, uh... Yorka. No, Yorka's the dead guy. Oh, Yorka is the dead... Is Yorka? Yes, Yorka's the dead guy. And the dead guy is an actual Russian. Hmm. His name is Vladi T. Aww. He he began performing at the age of seven in Moscow. He relocated to Melbourne at the age of 13. So this is literally the only Russian... The only European on the show, and other than wait, hold on. I think the the, nope, nope. All the other ones are Australian with uh, really questionable accents. Yep. Well, bad guy whose name we never catch basically spills his whole plan about wanting to get gold, and tells Nina straight up that he's the one who killed Yorka. Maybe? I mm-hmm. think all the other ones have names, so I think his name is Max. They have names, they don't really use them. Yeah, no. Oh, it could either be Max or Casimir. I'm gonna call him Max. <laughs> sure, Max. We dub thee Max. Yeah. Uh, Nina go runs to Miss Fisher's and reveals all to her that not only are they after gold, they're robbing a bank of Russian gold. Ooh, that's been stolen. And brought to Russia. Not surprising. Not at all surprising. The Brits were just as bad. So, whatever. Yep. <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, okay. Like, the Brits pretend that they did nothing wrong and were just trying to save the whole entire world with their empire. We made everything good. No. No, you fucking didn't. <laughs> like, I hate, I hate my accent. I hate that it connects me to the empire in any way shape or form um it hurts me that you know a lot of african nations have this half british half african accent fuck it all <laughs> like i don't know if the american accent would be any better for i its mean imperialism. i don't know what yeah. english i really don't know what english should sound like Probably. we're slightly less i mean we're certainly imperialistic and in fact i think there's a definite an argument for our imperialism is actually, I don't know, I can't say worse. It's about the imperialism, same. Unfortunately, it, it's, a, it's I would about say, the I would, same. I would say it's more subversive because it is, it's, it's one of those like economic imperialisms, even yeah. more so. Yeah, it's worse, and but with better propaganda. 
like the British Empire has been completely decimated as a bad thing. Like, yeah. unless you're Boris Johnson, you know that the British Empire is a bad thing. Americans are like, we spread peace and democracy. We're the greatest planner of all. Fuck off. Yeah, so we really... never actually, we don't conquer many countries, but we do. We destroy, <laughs> no, 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 no. What Americans do is go in and destroy them and just leave them. Like, yeah. the Brits yeah. actually go in and like create infrastructure and then completely tear it out when the, the country goes for independence. They're like, okay, we'll take our shit back. The Americans are like, oh, you had infrastructure? Kill it all, and then buy it back from us. So, yep. And, oh, you're too poor to buy it back from us? Uh, too bad. Suffer. Basically. Yeah. So, um, I don't know what English should sound like, or even if English should be a fucking language. It's fucking I mean, I feel like English should be a language. It's not like English wasn't native to England. I know. <laughs> right? I feel like it's a language. At this point, we need to all be speaking like Arabic or something. <laughs> like, what's the most oppressed country in the world? Let's learn that language and spread it. Oh, man. It's definitely one of the African, I would say oh, yeah. African tribal languages. Yeah, probably one of the African tribal languages, but um, Arabic, I guess. I don't know about that. I, I would say I would say Since, I would probably go for more of a Central Africa yeah. language versus like Northern Africa and Middle All East. right, I'm gonna. I guess I'm gonna learn Zulu and Swahili next. <laughs> hey, Swahili can actually be pretty useful. There's another betrayal in this TV show. Uh. Because Peter knew about this whole plan. Yes. And not only that, he's Nina's dad. No. Well, at least he's not like Nina's. This would be bad. Like, it's not as bad. He's Nina's dad, so he's fine. It's not yeah, like- Well, Miss Fisher totally assumed they were lovers, which yes. is kind of hilarious to me, but sure. <laughs> like, Nina, you watch Nina, like, fall apart over Yorka. It's- mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think there's no doubt that she loved Yorka, but I think Nina, or I think Miss Fisher thought that Nina left Peter for Yorka. Oh. <laughs> I think that was the implication she had taken from it. It's all incest. Double it's incest. all incest. All the way down. Uh, but they go and tell Jack and Hugh what was going on with the bank robbery, and Nina says it's State Bank on Baker Street, but it turns out she speaks bad Latvian. Weird. She's Australian. I know, right? And it could have actually been Church Street. Yes. So, of course, the smart course of action is that Hugh and Peter and Miss Fisher go down to the Church Street bank. And Peter and Miss Fisher flash their guns at each other in another bit of foreplay. And in, of course, come the bad guys with the big browning machine gun. They're all demanding the money, and Peter causes a distraction and gives Hugh his gun, and the big browning machine gun is trained on him, and then Hugh's like, no, everybody freeze, but then they turn the browning on him, and he gives up his gun, and then the big bad guy that we have dubbed Max is like, shoot him, shoot him! For no goddamn reason, because he's unarmed at this point. Yeah, right. But Miss Fisher gets her gun out and shoots the guy with the browning. 
And then Peter wrestles with the other bad guy, aka Max, and is shot. And then Hugh gets the bad guy, the gun back, and corners the bad guy. <sighs> and then we wrap things up. The press is there. Peter's alive. He tells Nina to go to Queensland and asks Miss Fisher for help to find her family friend. And back at the Fisher residence, Jane says that she's been reinstated for, to school because she's too academically gifted to go to the state school. <laughs> this was a direct quote from her headmaster. Yes. Love that classism. Oh, yeah. Um, but while she's telling Miss Fisher that, Aunt Prudence bursts in saying that she's saved the day and Jane gets a lesson in just shutting up and taking it. Oh, yeah. And then... She gets a lesson in diplomacy. Yes, that's exactly how I would put it. (laughs) And the next day we learn that Peter has escaped the police. Of course. Even though he was shot. Those wily Um, Russians. Latvian. Latvians. Oh, sure. <laughs> Latvians. They sound like Russians, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. They sound like Russians, but they have a proud history. Yes. At the Waddingtons, Miss Fisher does her thing. To only Paul and Mrs. Waddington, not to Mr. Waddington. Yes. And it was Mrs. Waddington all along. Dun dun dun. Turns out she and Paul were having her boning down. As well as Paul and Ooh, keep it in the family. Well, Paul and... It, I think the implication is that Paul and Lila were not having sex. Yeah. She walked in on Mrs. Yes. Waddington and Paul. Yes. So technically not incest. Because she's a new wife. Technically, yeah. She's a stepmother. The stepmom. That's just regular porn fodder. Yeah. Uh, but Lila found out and went to the same madhouse that her mom did. And... Miss Fisher, after confronting them with this, goes and tells Mr. Waddington, who's British shocked. No, no. Oh, no. Now I have to get rid of my... Because we don't know who the father of the baby is. Right? No one ever says anything about that. So who knows? So he's like, damn, I have to get rid of this woman now. Mm -hmm. Send her to me, And... Miss Fisher makes everything better in the end because she waives her fee for a chance at peace with the dock workers. Yes. Which somehow happens literally within 10 minutes because then we get to see Miss Fisher and Jack leaning on her car in the same clothes they were already wearing. Yes. And he reveals that he is a friend to the worker man as well and that he was part of the policeman's strike. Ah, yes. And... We can feel happy about all of our characters and their life choices. Sure. Whatever. (laughs) I mean, what the fuck are policemen striking over? The fact that you feel bad about killing workers? The fact that you feel bad about your class, you know, (laughs) class denial? Sure. Whatever makes you feel bad. I have no idea what the conditions for policemen were in 1920s Australia. Oh yeah, I'm sure they weren't <laughs> the greatest, but what the fuck ever. Well, Sabrina, did you figure out the mystery? The Oh, the murder? Yeah, I definitely knew. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was Max. Yeah, Call that it. was Max. Called it from like the first. No, but uh, 
think I think everybody got this one. Um, that Lila was being mistreated somehow. Yes, because it's always the stepmother. She's just Cinderella. I mean, I couldn't. So I know, obviously, I've watched this one before. I couldn't remember if it was Mrs. Waddington or if it was Paul. Mm-hmm. But I definitely remember. I definitely knew there was incest involved before there. We knew there was incest yeah. involved. <laughs> Uh, did you like this episode? Actually, it wasn't terrible. I liked it more than the last episode, that's for sure. Um. I I didn't really like this episode. On on rewatch, I didn't really like this episode. It was fine. Yeah, that's what I mean. It was it wasn't it was better than the last episode, but I did it's still, you know, meh. These two I, I it was fairly weak. For- it was weak. For me, I think it's about the same level of likingness as last episode. The issues I have with last episode didn't pop up here, which was great. But the storytelling and the writing and frankly, even the like directing was really bad for yeah. me. It was so choppy and disjointed. The, the plot, the A plot about the Latvians, like, again, there's no mystery here whatsoever it's just action show yeah so i don't know i just it was a it was a it was an episode for me it was just like okay and i really wanted to i think my favorite scene for sure is miss fisher goes to commie bar yeah and that was get up i feel like that was like my least favorite scene because you know oh yes let's go to the commie bar just like let's go to the hunters bar for all the. <laughs> I mean, I enjoyed it for its ridiculousness. Oh, uh, okay. It's. It, I mean, I don't. I. I. It was entertaining. Yeah. It wasn't good. <laughs> I think that's. I think that's this episode. It was entertaining. Yeah. Wasn't good. And we did get to see at least one new hat. Yes. We got to see Jack in his new his midnight blue suit. We appreciate that. Got some really fun dot stuff. Love a good fun dot scene. Yes. So, I like yeah. that. What's weird is that dot is completely fine with the telephone now. I know. It didn't take her long, did it? No. <laughs> she was like, I need the money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how did you like your wine? Um, it was okay. It was fine. Was it okay enough for $4? <laughs> Four dollars and eighty nine cents. Yes, it was fine. It was fine. <laughs> it's a it's a beverage. I mean, it's not good. It's not bad. It's actually quite forgettable. <laughs> like, <laughs> like uh, I did I drink this one? I mean, my glass is empty, so I drink it. This is definitely. I'm going to use this for cooking. Who knows what this wine is going to be? Yeah, I mean, that that was my plan from the start with this one. Yeah. Which I'm glad, because this is, I think, kind of in the same boat. Um, <laughs> it's fine. It's certainly drinkable. It's honestly a little more dry than I usually am used to um, with a cab salve. Um, and what's really ridiculous, so obviously at the, you know, the wine place, I was kind of like going off the little blurbs and... I looked at the label and I was like, fine, whatever. But mostly I went off the blurb and picking this bottle up and actually getting a look at it. 
This is the most like bro hipster bottle of wine I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like on the back, they have at least one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, twelve different fonts, not including all of the legal stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I didn't realize when I picked it up, it's a play on To Kill a Mockingbird Ah. as a wine. Oh, God. Radley and Finch. Oh. And on the back, there's a picture of a bird with a gavel. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. But then under that, the copy says, fly in in with an apostrophe. Off on a hot date, slash night on the town, slash whatever. Never fly solo. Get a wingman. Even better, get a Radley and Finch wingman. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. And even more fun, not only is it a mo- to kill a mockingbird themed wine, it's from South Africa. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh. oh no! Oh no! So, yeah, that's the wine I bought. Probably won't buy that again. Mine says, "Inspired by the tangle of trees, shrubs, plants, and flowers in Australia's landscape, twisted brush wines lay unique flavors together for a taste experience that will take you to the outback." So sit back, pull yourself a glass, and indulge in the wonders of this untamed region. Lovely. Mine also says, enjoyism kicks the pants off pessimism. Oh, oh no. Again, to kill a mockingbird themed wine. Oh no. Oh no. (laughs) All right. out Out of nine, Sabrina, what do you rate your wine? Yeah. Four and a half. Five. Four and a half. Four and a half. It's a very forgettable glass of wine. I was gonna give it a six and a half because it's got some good flavors under the bitter. But for the copy, I'm gonna knock it down <laughs> to a five and a half. <laughs> this is just unacceptable. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> White people. <laughs> God, I can't even. I can't even. I'm a little bit embarrassed to have this in my house now, but I'm gonna use it because I paid money for it. Yeah. Yeah. God. Oh, no. <laughs> well. Oh, we get to say Spasima to a not Latvian dude. So Spasima. <laughs> and Sabrina. You can always follow us on our Twitters. I'm at Classlicity. And I'm at SDM Rights. And you should be following us on our official Twitter as well, because this is the fourth episode of Miss Fisher, which means you get to vote. Yay. Yeah, so the way our show works is that we watch five episodes of every show 
Um, but to select our next show, you guys get to vote on what we watch. So we will present a Twitter poll with four different options. We've got some good ones already lined up and that way we can announce it on the next show. Um, so make sure to follow us at wine murder night and that way you can vote on our poll. You can subscribe to us and we really wish you would, would do so on iTunes or I guess it's called Apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We're on all the things. And please tell your friends about our show. We work really hard on it and we watch a lot of really good stuff. And I think we have some good commentary and some jokes and all of that. And also revolution. And we have a lot of revolution as well. But leave us a five-star review and we'll give you a nice little shout out. As usual, Sabrina, we have to say what? Spasiba. To Anton Koryakov, who wrote and performed Simple Life off the album Restart which we use in Creative Commons Attribution License. Thank you so much! Bye! Until next time! Oh. <laughs> <laughs>